Welcome everybody into another episode of the Shake and Blake Show. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove, taking you along for the ride of this amazing K-State basketball journey. And we're here to talk about another chapter in the journey, which is a big win over Oklahoma State in a different way that we won than in our previous um, couple of games, John. But it had the usual fireworks still, 11,000 people inside the Octagon of Doom. Um, it said it was a sellout. There was a you could tell there was some missing, you know, there there wasn't like you could see yeah. some open seats, but overall the energy was really great inside Bramlage. And to come up with a win 65-57 over Oklahoma State. We're four and oh in conference play. Uh, we predicted on our lapis episode they'd be in the top 15 of the eight people. They got to 11, which is really good. And then I mean to think about this, John. I mean, we're 15 and one. We only had 14 wins last season. We've mm. already surpassed that, you know, and we're, you know, a quarter of the way through conference play. So absolutely unbelievable. It is just absolutely insane to think at this point where this basketball team is. I mean, if you were to tell me this team would be 15 and one, four and oh in conference play coming off of nine consecutive wins. I I, I would I just probably ask you to slap me or, or vice versa around because um, I was not envisioning this men's basketball team taking off the way they are. I mean, with Marquise Noel just shining like he like he has been over the last few games, the National Player of the Week uh, hitting into this game, uh, and then next, and then next thing you know, I mean, he he had a really impressive performance. Uh, oh, wait a minute, it's a women's basketball stats, um, but nonetheless, um, he he really took off. Uh, in 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 the contest, um, and same thing goes for um Keontae Johnson with a thunderous jam, and on top of that, just hearing Bramwich Coliseum like that when it's not against Kansas is is really special, and I think that's what Jerome Tang was really trying to real uh really reel in in terms of a fan base, not to the fullest capacity as some might wanted it to be, but it was still good enough to just completely it, it, to me it really indicated that the doom was coming alive once again uh over uh, compared to the last few years i think that's the biggest takeaway from this game is to get a crowd like this on a tuesday night when students aren't back from break yet and you know considering it's not even a ku game i think we're going to be treated to crowds and atmospheres like this for the rest of the season and uh, you know wait to see that ku game next week is going to be really great I saw a picture of this on Twitter, but I actually saw it in person after the game. The event staff, they were practicing for a possible court yeah. storming next week. You know, like they had at football games, lining up the rope and stuff uh, to make sure, you know, because <laughs> things are going to get crazy uh, if if that were to happen. So it's I, th- I thought it was just funny that, you know, that they got to get their reps in too uh, a week in advance. Uh, but before we get into this game, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Shake like 75 Leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you're following the podcast as well. And uh, let's get into it, John. Get it. I said it at the top. This was, wasn't the prettiest game, like maybe some of our last couple games, in terms of offensive output. Um, this was a little bit of a sloppy game. You know, we shot 36% from the field. Um, Oklahoma State shot 33%. So not super pretty. Um, pretty close game overall in the first half. Um, Cam Carter hits a really big three. Um, at the first half buzzer to get it to a two-point game, I believe, which was kind of huge instead of it being was. down by five. 
at the half. But the thing that really kept us out of this game, John, was turnovers. I mean, we just could not stop making sloppy passes and throwing the ball, ball away. It didn't yeah. help. Keontae Johnson started one of seven uh, to start this game off as well. So it wasn't the start that we had hoped for. But, you know, in spite of that, still managed to hang around. And then in the second half, we obviously go on a couple big runs to go up by as many as 10 points. Yeah, really, to to put this into full context, we had nine turnovers in the first half. And really, once when Oklahoma State started playing in the zone, and we were just seeing some drives from what uh, Noel or Johnson, once when they were going inside, uh, there was three Oklahoma State defenders going on him, uh, and eventually K-State's going to turn over the ball. And late in the first half, prior to Cam Carter's uh, three, it just felt like there was a turnover occurring every single possession for K-State. And that was just from my perspective, being up at the uh, West Stadium Center, helping out with the graphics. Um, just, just, it looked to, it just occurred as if, um, for whatever reason, K-State was just, the ball control was not fair. Um, and I mean, and on top of that, you had seven turnovers right afterwards. And same thing applies for Oklahoma State as well, especially in the second half. Um, in which they struggled uh, when it comes to the ball control as well. So, uh, nonetheless, well, I, I'll say this as well. I'll say this as well. Uh, great, great teams don't win the best way possible, but they win the ugliest games uh, as well. And if you're K State, um, and 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 on top of that, Oklahoma State's accustomed to some of these really key defensive matchups um, that and just really keeping the matchups close for the most part. I mean, they came into Lawrence, almost beat Kansas, uh, and they, and I mean, of course, the Big 12 is going to be a gauntlet as well. So, mm. I mean, you can't take anybody for granted as well. But nonetheless, I, nonetheless, it was just kind of a rough outing um, in terms of a three-point shooting uh, percentage as well, uh, 33%, 9 of 27 I didn't get a, that isn't going to do you, uh, that isn't going to help out every other game, but Oklahoma State had in their share as well. They, they were, um, not man- managing the three point situation well either. They were five to 22. So, um, still a lot to take away, um, from this matchup. It wasn't the prettiest on both sides, but K State was able to get it done with a few big late runs and a b- few bigger plays to, uh, clinch late in the end. It definitely feels a lot better to talk about, you know, to give critiques and talk about some of these negative things during a win instead of during a loss where probably our tone of voice would probably be a little different. Kind of a concern that carried over from the Baylor game to this game is kind of on the front court side of things. You know, we were even in the rebounding battle, but Oklahoma State 16 second chance points to K-State zero. Caleb Boone absolutely ripped us to shreds. Their big man, 23 points on the night for him on 9 of 15 shooting. Uh, he gave Naquan Tomlin a run for his money for a long time, as well as baby Egiola. So he was a big concern. Um, but I think one thing that you do like to see looking at the stat sheet, as opposed to last year, where I think we would have probably lost this game, first of all, but we lost the game because we would have lost the rebounding battle. I think even though we oh, were yeah. like kind of outsized, you look at the stats, it was a team effort in terms of rebounding. You know, Naquan Tomlin and Egiola had seven boards each. Cam Carter had six boards as a guard. You know, Keontae Johnson was six boards. Marquise Noel with five boards. Yeah, so everybody's kind of doing their part. 
to, um, you know, uh, get the boards and help out with that. Now, on top of that, if you want to talk about height as the height advantage that Oklahoma State had as well, they had uh, six blocks in the game as well, uh, three of which came from Tyreek Smith, two came from uh, Boone as well. So, um, yeah, it was just overall a height advantage that K-State was really going to have to dig deep and and just play – is playing more physical the best way of putting it? And I think another point uh, to mention, Blake, is the rebounding. Uh, and not, Well, not just the rebounding, but uh, the blocking as well. Oklahoma State, of course, they had six blocks, of course, uh, three coming from Tyreek Smith, two coming from Boone as well. Um, but nonetheless, we, we were talking, we're in a completely different situation compared to last year, in which the guard, the bigs from last season just did not have the, the athleticism, the physicality to even contend to dominate the boards. But now we're seeing K State not only win some of the rebounding battles, but and and, and not just like end off in ties or being close either, but it's not to the point where it's like a heavy margin like we're like we're witnessing KU out rebounding us 45 to 23. K-State is physically giving it all they can on the boards and they really did late especially um with the likes of Bayami Egiola and Desi Sills coming away with a few blocks uh late in the game as well. Yeah not to mention I mean this is kind of different from that, but 11 steals for Oklahoma wow. State that kind of feeds into the turnover issue we were talking about earlier. I mean, we had more turnovers than assists, which is unlike us at all because part of our really good offensive output was how well we've been passing ball. I mean, still 15 assists on 21 field goals is still pretty solid. And that's a a good number uh, you like to see. Um, So like I mentioned earlier, you know, we got on a couple of runs. We got up 51, 41 and we got a big one. We're up 56, 46, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like a little under halfway through the, or a little over halfway through feeling pretty good, you know, Octagonal Doom is rocking, but then Oklahoma State goes on a 9-0 run, and all of a sudden, you know, with three minutes left, it's a one-point game. We got nothing going for us, and we're like, ah, shoot. Uh, But we close it out with a 9-2 run, obviously capped off by the amazing – I mean, that probably – he's had some crazy dunks already this season, but that might be the best one yet, especially with the context around it. Uh, Scott Van Pelt, actually, my dad told me, led uh, the best thing he saw – that day that's what he that's what he had as his uh to lead off his show there so that's cool you know to get the national recognition there a lot of people are talking about k-state right now um bring talking about jerome tang and um you know his name is obviously on the rise so uh overall i mean it was a really not the perfect not a perfect game job but we talked about it we asked you know can k-state win these gritted you know gritty grinded out defensive battles and we've shown that we can, you know, winning in a couple of different ways. And I think that's really important going forward. You know, we got a tough battle at TCU and then KU at home. It's, I mean, it doesn't get any easier in the Big 12. Well, especially, uh, and we were talking about this right after the Baylor game and is how long K-State can continue uh, this offensive momentum. You score 116 points at Texas. You score 97 at Baylor. And kind of gone through a slump tonight, but you were able to pull, uh, pull off a big defensive performance against a pretty good Oklahoma State team. Take it for what it's worth. I mean, they're they're, they're below on the bottom of the Big Twelve, but I mean, it's it's the Big Twelve. Any anything can happen on any given night. Uh, oh, and on top of that, another thing that was 
really leaning towards Oklahoma State's play was the was the uh, points off the bench as well. They had twenty four, K State had seventeen as well. Um, so just another factor uh, in terms of how in terms of Oklahoma State really making this game competitive. Um, but nonetheless, uh, big win. You're fifteen and one, and and I've been well, listening to a few basketball pro- podcasts already. It's a good. It's on one hand, it's a really good. It's really good to hear Jerome Tang's name on the rise, but it's also a nut, but it's also a bad thing because now because like Chris Kleiman and all the other Big Twelve coaches, they're going to be na- named for other jobs, and uh, of course, Tex. Everybody's thinking te- Tang to Texas makes sense, but uh, I don't know. I mean, just with the way he interacts with everybody, it's particularly the student section. I mean, we were seeing him do the Wabash Cannonball after the games; he's enjoying it. Um, it's looking really promising right now, but I mean, I mean, it's only his first year as well. I think he, he was, I think he's fully loving this experience so far. And, uh, I just hope not, nothing fully changes. I, I, I think right now it's a really good cultural fit. He's gained the guys. Um, it, it's a really good cultural mindset for, for not just the players, but the fans as well. I mean, we were the fans, the fan fan uh, perspective was not in the best place with the entire Bruce Weber situation in last March. And next thing you know, I mean, we're we're getting, we're getting really close to us to more sold out crowds. And we just had a few more announced uh, already with Texas and Texas tech on top of that. You have the Iowa state and Florida game sold out as well. I'm, I might be missing another one. Of course you got the Kansas game as well. So just a lot of forward momentum right now with his basketball program. Yeah, if you're not up to speed on the situation, you know, obviously Texas is looking for a head coach, and there's been some writers who, you know, who throw Jerome Tang's name into the hat. Tim Fitzgerald asked him about it, um, and Tang, I think, chuckled and said no comment. And then I believe Glenn Kinley from KSNT asked him about it, and he kind of gave this non-answer. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm just, you know – whatever, wherever God wants yeah. me to be, you know, I'll wherever. be. Yeah. So, and some people uh, took that as kind of, you know, like those non-answers are kind of concerning, but I mean, I, I think Jerome Tang's wife said they don't want to change colors anytime soon. So I think, mm-hmm. I think let's be real. That's a pretty definitive answer. Um, and I'm sure uh, coach Tang would tell you that as well. And just, mm-hmm. I think Tang at Texas what seems like such a weird fit. It just doesn't seem like that would be his thing to be like a, you're kind of a celebrity when you're the head coach of, you know, a Texas football or basketball program. And I feel like he just fits better into like a more like smaller, you know, more yeah. close community like K-State is. And Texas isn't like that at all, just with the size of it and how much, I don't know. It just doesn't really seem like a fit to me, but obviously I I really want him to say, if he left for Texas, that would be like the all time like, like Chris Beard to, to Texas. I don't. I think Jerome Tang to Texas would be like a bigger betrayal that, than that. that oh that, my gosh, that, that seemed like a bigger surprise to me. Big surprise, uh, too, and, yeah. and it just. And on top of that, what I don't understand. Okay, I I understand two things. Of course, Texas has the money, the new arena, and all that. And of course, the Texas ties as well that Jerome Tang has, um, with all the resources they got. But at the same time, there's just a lot of pressure being built up uh, with this situation um, with Texas. I mean, of course, they're one of the bigger brands in college sports, but they're going to demand the bit, the biggest of expectations. Whereas to K-State, um, 
I mean, heck, we would we might have been fine with uh, with an NIT season. Maybe not expecting to where we are now, but um, I I mean that's pretty much all I got to say. Case I think in terms of the cultural mindset, K State's there and Texas is just probably honestly just the complete polar opposite. I I I just don't see the appeal uh, for him to go to Texas. Yeah, let's also throw into the mix that his daughter goes to K State. Oh yeah. So, well, no, I think well, that, well, here's would be, another, that would be tough for her too. Well, here's another thing to throw up as well. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about how bad the Texas situation is? I mean, you you had a Kentucky fan during the game against South Carolina. He was holding up a sign that said, uh, "Please, John Cal Perry, go to Texas," uh, and he was kicked out of. Uh, Rupp Arena for that as well. So who knows? Maybe Texas <laughs> might go for, take a shot towards John Calipari. Um, thank God we're not in the mess that Kentucky's in, but Oof. yeah, I mean it's 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 a hot mess. But uh, nonetheless, K State has got a lot of things going uh, with its basketball team. Uh, honestly, probably either maybe probably two or three wins away from March from locking a bit towards the NCAA tournament at this point. I mean, if if K State's able to rack up maybe two or three three more marquee Big Twelve wins, um, they already have a resume. They're I believe they're going to be over five hundred. Um, hell, they might be over five hundred if they lose the rest of their games as well. But we aren't going to do that. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that's now um so i uh, it, it we're getting towards that time of the year in which they look at the resumes of each team and i think k-state's in a well well positioned spot to make the ncaa tournament yeah one quick note on texas as we're recording this the tcu texas game is going on right now it's at halftime and uh texas at home is losing by 13 to tcu yeah yeah, yeah tcu put up 42 in the first half um, so I think, uh, unless you have anything more to add on the K-State game, John, just kind of generally looking at the Big 12, I mean, it is just crazy watching Baylor, West Virginia, who mm-hmm. West Virginia was, you know, obviously Baylor's the preseason number one team of the Big 12. West Virginia, I believe at one point was like 11th in the net rankings. They were ranked obviously wow. in the top 25 before. They're both 0-3 in conference play. They're battling out for their first win right before we hopped on to record this. And, you know, KU Oklahoma last night, or last night as we're recording this, uh, a couple nights ago when it gets released, you know, that's a grinded out game. KU goes on a huge run, um, you know, some will say, because uh, of the refs, and they're probably right <laughs> for a little bit of it, Whoa. but they go on a huge run and, you know, squeak by Oklahoma, who seems to be a team that's going to be in the bottom half of the Big 12, but it, just it, absolute it, madness. It was a 10-point 10, 10 lead for Oklahoma for like like five minutes left, and I mean, may, I mean, everybody will be pointing at the officials, but I mean, overall, KU j- was just crashing in the boards uh, late in the game. Jalen Wilson, I believe, scored thirty points. Um, he 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 continues to play at a at a at a high level for KU. Um, you're probably looking at a three way race between Noel, uh, Keontae Johnson, and uh, uh, Jalen Wilson as as possibly the uh, the top three players in the big 12 as we speak. But I mean, it's, it's a, Oh my gosh, it's an absolute meat grinder, dude. Uh, of a conference. I mean, you had, uh, I mean, you had that Kansas Oklahoma game from last night. 
Uh, I mean, even in the weekend, Iowa State won on a buzzer beater shot uh, to beat TCU, and they and they crushed Texas Tech so badly. Uh, I, I can't I can't remember for the life of me what this score was, but Iowa State. Uh, oh yeah, I was just looking at that. It's eighty four to fifty. Jeez, man. I mean, it's thing. a it's it's a down year for Texas Tech. I understand that they have a few players missing as well. Um, and it's just uh, Mark Adams is working with a pretty young team as well, but. Um, little, uh, it's pretty disappointing for Texas Tech right now that they're in best position right now, uh, in terms of the Big 12 race being at 0 and 4. So, um, they're gonna really uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but not in the best spot. But, uh, who is in the best spot though is uh, K State because they're 4 and 1. Uh, and if it can get past TCU on Saturday, uh, then all hell will occur on Tuesday night. Yeah, they play TCU in Fort Worth, 1 p.m. ESPN two on Saturday. If you're a big, if you're a Big Twelve basketball fan, that entire slate, um, all all the teams are playing on Saturday. It is quite. I mean, that all right. You know, K State, TCU, Iowa State, KU are playing. So the uh, as of as we're recording this, the four teams that are undefeated in conference play. I'm sorry, is TCU lost yet? Uh, they've they've lost, but I mean it's the top it's, four teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, top four teams in the Big Twelve. So, and for some reason, Iowa State KU is on ESPN Plus. Yeah, I don't which, understand. Yeah, it, well, here, yeah, we we can start like a little little small topic about this, but what's with ESPN's appeal to get the best conference in college basketball on ESPN Plus? I mean, this this is absolutely pathetic. They're putting. SEC, I mean, they're putting ACC games on ESPN. That conference is a complete afterthought uh, in a dumpster fire with Duke and North Carolina uh, playing terrible. But you're getting, I mean, and I understand what the TV timing and that with all the games, it makes sense. But the Big 12 deserves to have more time slots on national television, whether it's ESPN, ESPN2. I mean, hell, even CBS as well. I mean, they, they, broadcast the big 10 all the time i mean i mean come on get 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 some big 12 basketball in there i mean it's the best conference uh, in college basketball and it's proven that's the best conference in college basketball as well so uh i mean i i mean it's good for us because we we get kind of a moolah uh uh working working for espn plus uh shout out to andy he he, he's the absolute goat uh (laughs) But nonetheless, I, I I do kind of want to see some na- more national coverage uh, for all the teams. And thankfully, K-State is going to get um, some big national coverage. I mean, you get the TCU game uh, 1 p.m. on ESPN2. And then the Kansas game, uh, that's going to be primetime on ESPN. So, um, that I mean, that's going to get a lot of eyeballs without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, John... Uh, back to that Saturday slate. They do have a primetime ESPN game for Big 12, but it's Texas Tech, Texas, which, you know, at the start of the year would be like, you know, a really cool game because, oh, you know, <laughs> Texas Tech going against Chris Beard. Well, <laughs> it's, it, is it in Lubbock or? No, it's uh, in Austin. It's so. in Austin. Oh, man. Well, I mean, but I mean, but I'm sure the Texas Tech fans are going to be excited to play Texas, but I mean, there's not going to be that extra factor with Chris Beard returning. Uh, to Lubbock as well so uh, but nonetheless both teams have been completely disappointing in the big 12 race so far so 
uh, we're just going to let K-State, TCU, Iowa State, and KU uh, be the flag barriers for the Big 12 on Saturday. And uh, we'll see what goes from there. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about a stretch for KU, uh, I mean, it's it, – I mean, KU's got, got a hefty stretch. You got Iowa State at home. Uh, next thing you know, you got K-State on Tuesday in Manhattan – um, to be the two unbeaten, two other unbeaten teams in the Big Twelve. Uh, I mean, they're also pretty lucky that Kentucky's uh down at this point because they're playing in the SEC Challenge as well. So, uh, just all around chaos in college basketball, and the Big Twelve is somewhat the hardened core of what of what's really occurring. Because, <laughs> I mean, we we just have a lot of story arcs everywhere. Um, just a lot of big games coming up that it's going to be extremely exciting. Yeah, times are changing in college basketball. You think about the state that Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina are all in. Yeah. I mean, we just need KU to join them. But the, yeah. the, those bastards just KU, won't go away. They just won't go away, man. <sighs> uh, I mean, yeah, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, I mean, they're just completely fall flat on their faces on top of that i mean you want to talk about the changing landscape of basketball i mean just think of what this conference is going to be next year when houston joins the big 12 the number oh one goodness. team in nba people right now and kelvin sampson they're going to be joining the big 12 next season i mean it's it's just gonna just add on to the extra gauntlet uh well extra gauntlet it's just gonna add extra pounds of meat to to be of a meat grinder i mean that's just the best way i could have said it <laughs> yeah i think that is the best way i could have said it so yeah that's going to be a fun game on saturday fun slate of big 12 basketball uh let's wrap up the show real quick by hitting on a couple things john first of all let's talk about women's basketball they just wrapped up as we're recording this they lost to iowa state on the roads uh 67 and 56 it was a similar story to their last game against west virginia um k-state now 12 and 5 on the season they follow one and three in conference play they were you know they always kept it within just like you know five or six points the entire yeah. time they go into halftime down three you know they're down six going into the fourth quarter but they just could never get the lead they can never really get a run going um to kind of finish out the game and give credit to iowa state obviously you know they're a really good team top 15 team in the country you know, they still have Ashley Jones, who's one of the who's a really uh, great player in the country, uh, one of the best players in the country. So I'm yeah. flustered because I'm looking at the stat sheet and I just see four players all scored 14 points. Mm -hmm. And that's like oddly like satisfying in a way for like my OCD. But anyway, um, <laughs> just kind of a tough game. You couldn't really ever make that run to uh, get it done. Well, looking at the stats, it's good to see K-State getting an additional score with uh, Jayla Glenn getting 17 points, uh, five for 10 on field goals made and 10 rebounds as well. So she was uh, the bright spot there for K-State. Not the best performances from uh, from Sarah Shamatsi and Gabby Gregory uh, well, and Serena Sundell, probably the ones who were, who were most accustomed to seeing um, rack up more of a bigger, uh, rack up more points for K-State. But uh, it it was a pretty competitive game, and again, and Iowa State, I believe, had one of her best players out. Um, I, I, Ashley Jones was playing for I for Iowa State. That was probably the big uh, difference maker for the Cyclones. But um, it was a close game in in Hilton Coliseum, and it's 
not really, but it's and it's not a bad loss at all considering. But Iowa State's probably one of the better teams uh, in the Big Twelve for women's basketball. So get Texas Tech on Saturday. Hope you're able to get the win there because Texas Tech's not one of the more impressive teams uh, in the Big Twelve at uh, at this moment. Yeah, it's this Saturday at four p.m. So you can come to Bramlage and celebrate with all the other K-Staters after the K-State men beat TCU in Fort Worth. Yep. So you come mm-hmm. into Bramlage, celebrate, watch some K-State women's basketball there. A couple of things to hit on very quickly in the football world. Obviously got to talk about a uh, transfer running back that just came in, Sean Ward from Florida State. Um, a really big addition that kind of, you know, bring kind of the thunder lightning back with alongside DJ Giddens. And, you know, I think we're slowly, John, turning into running back university. Uh, <laughs> uh, did pretty well at Florida State, most notably. I mean, he had a pretty big game in the uh, Cheez-It Bowl against OU, 81 yards and a couple touchdowns. But I think he'll be a big add to this 2023 KC team. Really, really big addition. Uh, a top 70 tailback out of high school. Uh, before he previously committed to Florida State, he had 11 Power 5 offers. And over the past two seasons, he combined for a total of 1,241 yards on the ground. Um, And on top of that, uh, his career average per mark uh, was 7.2. So um, really big addition to the K-State running back room, especially when it looked a little bit depleted. Um, Of course, you had DJ Gittens. Um, He's probably going to get a lot of playing time compared to this past season when Deuce Vaughn was taking most of his snaps. But you're also going to get the addition of Trayshawn Ward in the backfield. Uh, it's going to be a different kind of fear into the defensive-minded opponents. Yep, and he'll be a junior going into the 2023 season. So maybe get uh, yeah. a couple of years out of him. So that'll well, be a able- Well, think about this as well. And as we kind of go into the next sub- next topic here, I mean – uh, the the amount of more bigger players that K-State's going to get, the expectations, it comes a little bit higher for K-State. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll kind of mention it, but uh, you bring back you bring back Phillip Brooks. I mean, he just announced it last night. Uh, he'll be back uh, as another wide receiver for K-State, uh, joining with the likes of Keegan Johnson, uh, R.J. Garcia, uh, uh, the wide receiving room, um, that's that's going to be a big, big load that K-State probably needed uh, in order to avoid going into the transfer portal or, or bring in one of the younger players uh, as a wide receiver. Um, and then on top of that, you got Will Howard as the QB. Uh, he'll, I mean, we, we all expected him to come back for a second year, but he's announced that he'll be back as well. Uh, and then on top of that, I mean, you got the Kansas beef uh, with the top eight running backs as well. I mean, offensive linemen, what am I doing? Top eight <laughs> o- offensive linemen on the team coming back. So um, it's possible that this offense doesn't skip a beat, uh, despite having uh, a few players already declaring for the NFL draft. Yeah, we're still waiting on Felix to officially declare for the yeah. NFL draft, right? I, it seems I was, a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, to be honest, I was expecting him to uh, – uh, announce his decision uh, before Deuce uh, before Deuce uh, decided to declare, but uh, no word yet. I mean, uh, I'm 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 fully expected to uh, not not get my feelings hurt. Like I don't have all the fa- uh, false hype. I mean, if he would if he does come back, 
uh, K State eventually turns into the Big Twelve uh, favorites for next year. But <laughs> uh, I mean, it would not hurt me at all to see him uh, go go all in on the NFL. I think he has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, I think going to the NFL is his best move, given what his draft yeah. stock is right now. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's talked to scouts. I don't know how much more his draft stock could go up by coming back another year and the risk of injury that that entails coming back another year. So I think going to the NFL is it's definitely his best move. So, but it's good to have Philip Brooks back. We were the wide receiver was definitely a point of concern at the end of the season, but to get, you know, go to the transfer portal, get Keegan Johnson. Obviously now you have Philip Brooks coming back. Um, One thing I did want to mention, John, I saw this on Twitter uh, yeah. As of right now, Philip Brooks is 19th all time in career receiving yards, and I mean, if he if he gets like 500 receiving yards, he could jump all the way up to like seventh all time. Uh, he's said, not gonna. You, you said 19th, right? Yeah. It's it's pretty funny though because he because he's not only ranked third on the team this past season with 45 catches, uh, he was second in receiving yards with 587 yards. Uh, to go along with four touchdowns as well. Uh, and then on top of that, you bring him back for the uh, special teams purposes. I mean, I mean, he just, we saw in 2020 against Kansas, uh, 2021 against Missouri. Uh, I mean, no, 2022 at home against Missouri where he came away with a big touchdown run. Uh, he has, he has four punt return scores. So um, he'll begin his final season with 129 career receptions. In 1,500, 1,538 yards and nine touchdowns. So that's going to be a big addition. And to go along with Keegan Johnson, RJ Garcia, and I forgot to mention his name, Ole Miss transfer Jaden Jackson. I believe he he redshirted last year. Uh, He'll be back. Oh, and then on top of that, uh, you got the tight end Ben Sennett as well, who also had a big breakout year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Philip Brooks has got a shot at breaking Tyler Lockett's record, unfortunately, of 3,700 yards. Uh, I, I think 2,200 yards is absurd for an NFL receiver. So it's too um, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's always crazy. it's always crazy, John, to look at the um, career receiving yards list and see three Lockets in the top five, especially Lockets at one and two, and Tyler and Kevin respectively. Uh, we'll yeah. see. We'll see if Sterling can uh, round it out and have four Lockets in the top five. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and maybe expect some uh, and maybe expect some play from Andre Davis as well. The um, uh, product out of Blue Valley. I don't I like to see if maybe he'll get a shot at it or uh, maybe he'll he'll skip out this year and take the red shirt as well. But um, this wide receiving group now is is a pretty deep. I mean, again, you get rid of I mean, again, Malik Knowles declares for a draft Cade Warner. Uh, he's done in a Wildcat uniform, so, um, yeah, Cape Warner. So, big. It's it's huge bringing back Philip Brooks. Um, just to go along with the wide receiving room. Uh, really kind of giving more an experience, uh, type of player back on for for that room in particular with with Philip Brooks and then. Uh, on top of that, you got Trayshawn Ward coming to K State. Um, there's a lot of forward progress coming out uh, for the men, uh, for the football team right now. Yeah, I think there was this feeling that maybe you know there would be a bit of a fall off um, after this season, but it's possible we could be you know right back where we were this year, contending for uh, you know trying to defend our uh, Big Twelve championship. 
As long as we don't lose to FCS Southeast Missouri State like we like we uh first did when we uh won the Big Twelve in twenty twelve and then we lost to North Dakota State in twenty thirteen, uh, and we'll be completely fine. You just can't have those early ones, but if you who am I kidding? We're 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 way too early uh for the previews. I'm I'm focused on basketball and football recruiting news and transfer portal stuff as well so yeah let me tell you though the transfer portal is just like another is like another thing that i to look at now more often uh during the off season like i I, like i want to be completely focused on basketball and then once when spring football comes in then we can dive in more into football but the transfer portal is so chaotic to the point where i'm not catching any sleep because of it if the transfer portal for covering is like a season within itself with everything that's going on. It really on. is. It's like another high it's like another commitment, like another high school commitment. Like you're gonna have to see all the predictions from some of the insiders, whether it's go power cat or on three or rivals, etc. Uh just a lot of crazy stuff uh just to take take coverage of. And uh you, I mean you wanna know for sure when K-State gets theirs with Taylor Brett recording, uh, tweeting out, bring on the cats. Um, so, yeah, I, I just kind of went off track there. But nonetheless, man, I mean, we'll kind of wrap this up here. The football team's getting a lot of momentum. Uh, the basketball team, well, the men's basketball team is looking real hot right now. Uh, the women's team gave it all they could against Iowa State and uh, you know, to me, I just feel as if there's gonna be a lot of, I keep saying, it, but Ford momentum with just K State in general right now. It's a great time to be a Wildcat, uh, and looking forward to seeing more more action without a doubt. It's a great time to be a Wildcat. Couldn't have said it any better, John. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Again, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Shaking Blake seven eight five. Leave a review wherever you're listening. Follow the podcast and Casper ninety. That's been ID. Emma. Emma. <laughs> 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 <laughs>